Thank you, worship team. Well, I love you, church family, very much. Grateful to see each of you here today as we continue to worship our Lord through His Word. This morning, we're going to begin a series in the book of Hebrews. So before I lead us in prayer, let me just ask you and encourage you this week to just read through the book of Hebrews. Do so several times, if you will, and just spend some time reflecting on this book. I I believe we're going to be able to finish this up with some breaks along the way, uh, probably in January. And so uh, I've also told you that if the Spirit of God impresses upon my heart another subject for a week, then we're going to go to that subject for a week, and we'll deal uh, with that. And we may have to go into February if that's the case. Uh, and so we'll just do as the Lord leads uh, in this situation. But I, I just pray that, that God will speak to us in a very mighty way uh, as we... Uh, study this incredible book together. So I'm going to ask you now, if you would, to join me in prayer, and let's ask the Lord to speak to us today in a powerful way. Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the day that you have given us. Lord, I'm so thankful for how you moved in the last service. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you by the Spirit of God, would drive what is done here in this service. I pray it will not be business as usual. I'm asking for a move of God today. I'm asking you, Lord God, to speak to us, and I pray we respond. I ask you, Lord, in my weakness, that you would make me strong. I ask you, Lord, in my inadequacy, that you would make me adequate. My insufficiency, Lord, make me sufficient. Lord, please give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech, liberty and delivery. May I preach with great love. Lord, great conviction, with conciseness, and again, Lord, may it be so clear. Help me exalt Jesus, for it's in His name I pray. Lord, give us ears to hear. Amen. I want to speak on this subject this morning, and that is that the Lord Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And as we begin the study of the book of Hebrews, I desire with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is exalted. I pray that through the process of studying this incredible book that we fall deeper in love with Jesus. I pray that we are more resolved to follow Him and be faithful to Him than we've ever been. The original purpose of this book was to encourage Jewish converts. So they're ethnic Jews. They came to Christ. The gospel spread there in Jerusalem and Judea. And as it did, many thousands of Jews came to know Jesus. <clears throat> Even many priests, Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 tells us, and so these are the ones that are being written to. And they're being written to because they need encouragement. They're facing opposition. They're facing persecution. Their own ethnic group is attacking them because they have decided to follow Jesus. And so because of it, they're being pressured. And there's a temptation for some of them to revert back into Judaism because it's more comfortable for them. There's not going to be much of a struggle for them if they revert back into Judaism. But if they do that, they'll be walking away from Christ. And there's a warning there. If they walk away from Christ, it means they did not know Christ. 
If they are true believers and they're tempted to begin to walk away from Him, then Hebrews chapter 12 says that uh, God will chasten them because He loves them, because He desires for the peaceable fruit of righteousness to be produced in their lives. This book was written in the late 60s A.D. It happened before A.D. 70 because there are references here in the book of Hebrews that present tense verbs here that describe the activity of the temple. So the temple was still established and the sacrificial system was still going. And so uh, it had to be before A.D. 70, probably somewhere again in the late A.D. 60s. This book is deeply rooted in the Old Testament. There are 29 quotations in this book out of the Old Testament. There are 53 allusions to the Old Testament in this book. This book is different from most epistles. Now, let me just explain in case <clears throat> there's some who may not know what epistles are. It means simply letter. Uh, books like Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians were all epistles. They're letters uh, written to churches with instruction. They usually start with greetings and end with greetings, and they have instruction in between. Hebrews is different. It ends like an epistle, but it starts and flows like a sermon. We don't really even know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. Some have suggested Paul, others Luke, some Apollos. There have been suggestions that maybe Barnabas, even in recent times, even Priscilla or Aquila might even be uh, those who were involved in writing down the book of Hebrews. But what we do know is, as the early church father Origen says, only God knows who the human author is, but ultimately the author is the Holy Spirit. And he has inspired uh, someone to write this book down. This person has an apostolic connection because as you get to the end of the book of Hebrews, it talks about the fact that Timothy is about to be released and this person and Timothy expect to go to where they are and minister to them. So there's an apostolic connection that they have. And so again, it's being written to those who are uh, Jewish converts and they're being tempted to walk away from the gospel. There's a major warning in this book in a couple of places that if a person walks away from influence of the gospel and they have not received the gospel yet and they walk away from that, then they're in danger of never being able to repent, period. So some serious matter within this, within this book. But ultimately, what's being said is that Jesus is better than everything. So Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, here is the Word of God. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the expressed image of his, son, of his person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Here's what I want us to get this morning. Jesus is greater than everything or everyone, and therefore we should be faithful to Him. Again, these Hebrew Christians are being tempted to walk away from their faith. They're being tempted uh, to remove themselves from the Christian community. And there's a deep danger in doing this. 
The richness of this book is incredible. And what I want us to know here today is that Jesus Christ is greater than anyone or anything. He's greater than any possession. He is greater than the praise of this world. He is greater than the pleasures of this world. He is greater than the material things of this world. He is greater than the comfort zones we so love in this world. He is superior over all. So you cannot quit. You cannot back up in your walk with God. But you must move forward with Him. You've got to stay faithful to Him. This book starts off strong, and it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And so, right off the bat, the writer of Hebrews establishes the fact that God is real. He exists. But not only does He exist, He also speaks. He has been speaking since the beginning of human history to human beings who are made in His image. And there are a couple of ways in which God speaks, major categories in which God speaks. Number one, general revelation. General revelation means that He speaks through creation. When you look around you and you see the world around you, uh, and you see the complexities, you see the order, uh, what uh, the, the worlds tell us or what the, uh, what the creation around us tells us is that God absolutely exists. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, the Word of God says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Did you catch that? What he's saying is that the way God speaks through creation, it has no language barrier and there's no geographical barrier goes everywhere to everyone, revealing that God exists. And that's why that Romans chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile, in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The Scripture goes on to say that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped the creation rather than, or the creature rather than the Creator. And so what the Word of God tells us is that all human beings are without excuse because God has revealed Himself through general revelation. And the reason that people are all accountable before God even if they've not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, is because God has revealed Himself through creation. That's general revelation. But the second category of the way God speaks is through special revelation. No one can be saved with, gen with just general revelation. There needs to be special revelation. And God gives us special revelation. He has spoken, the Bible says in verse 1, in various times and in various ways. God spoke through theophanies, which is appearances of God. For instance, like the burning bush where he spoke to Moses. That's what's called a theophany. Also, we've seen 
him speak through the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Christ. That's, that's who we believe that is. It's the pre-incarnate Jesus manifest on earth to speak. God has spoken through angels. He has spoken through dreams. He has spoken directly. Uh, he has spoken through prophets. And now what we have is the culmination of God's Word is right here, the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures, we find what can only be revealed about God. We would never know these things without Him revealing these things to us in special revelation. Tells us lots of things about God. Tells us how to know Him. Tells us how He saves us. Tells us what to do to be saved. Matter of fact, the redemptive history of God is recorded here. The truth is recorded here. This is the special revelation of God. And people are to hear from God through His Word. God has always been speaking. He's always been calling people to Himself. And verse 2 says, In these last days, and this refers to the time period after Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And He, in this time period, the Word of God says, has spoken to us by His Son. He does not elaborate on how He does that, but we look at the rest of Scripture to see how that happens. He has spoken through the incarnation, life, and ministry of Christ through His death and resurrection, through the promise of His coming. He's spoken through the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth right now. And the Lord Jesus made a promise to His disciples who were not able to really grasp and get everything at that moment. And He said to them that the Spirit of God is going to come and He's going to give you what is mine. That is, He's going to further teach you what you couldn't handle right now I'm going to teach that through the Spirit of God, and you're going to write it down. Matter of fact, in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, the Word of God says this, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit did just that gave to the apostles these teachings that were written down. So everything we have in the Old Testament, everything we have in the New Testament is, is Holy Scripture. It's the special revelation of God. And as we say, the canon of Scripture is now closed. There's no further revelation. God's given us what He's going to give us, and He speaks through His Word. Now, in this prologue, these first three verses here of Hebrews chapter 1, these three verses are one of the four major Christological passages given to us in the New Testament. Now, Christology means the study of Christ. And there are three others besides this one. Now, Old Testament teaches about Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us the law and the prophets point to Jesus. Jesus is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. But what we find is, even throughout the New Testament, lots of different things we can learn about Jesus, but these Four major passages are as follows. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. And then the passage that we're studying today. Teaches great truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in these three verses, there are seven things said about my Lord and your Lord. Seven things said about the Lord Jesus. First of all, He is heir of all things, verse 2. And maybe the writer had Psalm 2 in mind as he was writing this down. 
But he is saying that Jesus Christ is king and he is the rightful heir and ruler of all things. Now, he is absolute king and he's reigning from heaven right now, but not all things on earth are put into subjection to him the way they will be one day. And Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 kind of alludes to that in this very book that we're studying. But right now we understand that he's reigning from heaven, but one day he will come and he will consummate his kingdom at a future date. Right now, Satan is given permission to influence the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. But one day, Jesus will return, the rightful and righteous heir of all things, and he will punish the wicked. He will eradicate all evil. He will set up his rule and reign. He has clearly won. There was never a doubt. Satan never had a chance to begin with. But what is very clear on the cross of Calvary is that our enemy, even though he is a, like a roaring lion right now, he is a defeated lion. The Word of God says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, <clears throat> having wiped out the handwriting of requirements <clears throat> that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, listen, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The devil has certain permission now to deceive and to work in the world. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 alludes to this, but he is not sovereign, Satan isn't, but Jesus is. And he will squelch the work of the enemy. The Word of God teaches us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Satan will not inherit this world. Jesus will inherit this world. There was a day when the Lord Jesus was facing temptation. He had been long fast, and Satan came to tempt him. And at one point, Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said, If you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give all this to you. It wasn't his to give. That's how deceived and prideful the enemy is. But the Lord Jesus, knowing all those things, said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And Jesus submitted to the Father, and he did the holy work of the cross. And he died, and he was buried, and that he rose again uh, to be our justifier. And he is the one who inherits the world. So let me just tell you something. If you don't follow Jesus and you follow the world, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Because Satan's not going to inherit this world. Matter of fact, this world that some of us sometimes so often chase after is going to be destroyed someday. And King Jesus is going to establish his kingdom for those he's made righteous through his shed blood. And so sometimes right now what we'll do is we'll chase after the world, but I tell you, that's a futile, that's a futile practice. But if we will submit to the Lord and obey him, it'll be tough for us at times, but one day we'll receive reward. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 that we're not to grow weary while doing good, but in due season we will, root, we will reap if we don't lose heart. The Bible also tells me in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17 that I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He is heir of all things. 
Secondly, <clears throat> he is called creator. He is creator. God the Father is the master planner, and God the Son is the agent of creation. Scripture tells us in John chapter 1, verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In verse 2, that word worlds is not the common word that's mostly used to describe the universe. That's the Greek word cosmos. This word means ages, periods of time. Not only is he creator of the entire physical universe and spiritual realm, but also in charge of time and, and, its, and its complete uh, advancement in its course that's been appointed by God. He's over everything. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. I want to tell you this today. There are a lot of people today chasing after a lot of things to try to fulfill their purpose in life. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at the increase of, of drug use today, and, I, and, I, and it saddens me. It breaks my heart for people who are in it. I mean, it's just, it's almost like people are saying, you know, I can be happy with these, these substances will kind of take the edge off my life and help me to deal with things. We were CVS yesterday and minding my own business trying to get some uh, Flonase, and uh, this truck rolls up beside us, there, and, and Savannah goes, I smell weed. <laughs> And it's, you smell it everywhere you go nowadays. When people are smoking weed everywhere, think it's just something, it's just a normal thing to do. They don't know how many brain cells are killing and how they're altering themselves. And it's just, they're just trying to find some happiness, some level of joy, some experience of life. And then here's one thing that happens too uh, there's this sexual revolution that's come upon us in such a way that people believe, you know, if, if I just kind of chase after this desire and that desire, and, and, and we, we've come to a point we don't even know who we are anymore. We've so rebelled against God's design. And we think if we do those new trends that culture is accepting and lauding, praising and celebrating, that we're going to find purpose in those things. And they never bring fulfillment to us. And the thing is, the people of God need to be ready to pick up the pieces because I'm going to tell you this, it's going to lead to the most incredible level of brokenness we've probably ever seen in human history. There is hope in Jesus Christ for everyone. But I'll tell you this, if you're looking for purpose in your life, and you're chasing this and you're chasing that, I'm going to tell you the only way you can really fulfill your purpose in this life and is if you deeply follow Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because He's Creator. All things were made through Him and for Him. You were made for Him. And until we're right with Him, we're not fulfilling our purpose. He is Creator. Third, He is the display of God's glory, verse 3 says. And one way God has spoken to us by His Son is He's revealed His glory through His Son. God displayed His glory in many different ways in the Old Testament. The pillar of cloud and fire that guided the people of Israel, Exodus chapter 13, or the cloud of God's glory that that encompassed the tabernacle at its dedication in Exodus chapter 40, the cloud at Sinai, Moses being hid in the cleft of the rock, only being able to see a glimpse of the glory of God or it would kill him. 
In the New Testament, in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of God says. His miracles were displays of His glory. John chapter 2, verse 11 is an example of that. Matthew chapter 17, the Lord Jesus told Peter, James, and John, Guys, follow me. He went up on a high mountain, and while he was on that high mountain, the Lord Jesus began to manifest his glory to those disciples. His face shined like the sun. His clothes were clean like no launderer could do. Even Andy, even Fleener's cleaners could not clean them that good. And they do a great job. And, and they, they were just radiating is what was happening. It was the glory of God radiating through God the Son. And, and then Elijah and Moses were there talking to Jesus. And Peter, you know, Peter just is one of those guys who he can't handle awkward silence. He can't keep his mouth shut. He just had to go and talk. You know what? I'm going to build a hut for you, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And so he's going to do all that. And, and all of a sudden, this bright cloud overshadows them. And a voice from that cloud says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. In Revelation 1.16, we studied this last week. The Bible says the glorified Christ, His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Scripture says, Who is the brightness of His glory. That word brightness means to radiate and burst forth like the sunrise dispels darkness. <clears throat> Tuesday morning, I uh, took a flight with um, Dr. Clore from the college and Shelly Chandler over at First Baptist Bonifay and myself. We met at Tri-County Airport about 5.15 in the morning and we flew to Orlando for a meeting of the Florida Baptist uh, and there were about 1,000 Florida Baptists there just a day where we celebrated the Lord, where we were challenged by great preaching. I listened to many of my friends bring the Word of God. God did a work in my heart. I'll tell you about it later on. And then we you know, flew back uh, that afternoon. But, but as, we were, as we were going uh, Tuesday morning, it was dark when we took off. We were flying at 7,000 feet just above the clouds, and all of a sudden the sky began to light up. And then over the clouds, the sun began to peak. And the radiance of the sun began to dispel darkness. And I thought of this text. I thought of how the Lord Jesus Christ radiates the glory of God. Listen, I don't care who you are. Every human being at some point seeks glory from people. We seek glory. We seek the praise of people. That, that's why many in our younger generation are struggling so because we're seeking for so much affirmation on social media, you know, how many likes we get, and boy, if something goes wrong and something happens to us on social media, you know, we just, we just collapse, and that's why there's so much depression and anxiety among younger people. They're trying to, to seek praise from others. But all of us do that in, to some degree. Even in the church, we start seeking glory for ourselves. And we'll sometimes want to give glory to the pastor or deacons or some other, uh, some other group or some whatever. And so we'll start wanting to take the glory. We think of our spiritual gifts as, 
and we just kind of want the credit for what's good, and we want to blame somebody else for what's bad. That's just the way we do things sometimes. But I'm going to tell you this. God will not share His glory with anybody. And, and, and I'll tell you this. As A.W. Tozer says, God will not compromise with man's pride. God is working in this church, and I desire to see an eternal work happen here, but I'm going to tell you what will hinder it worse than anything is if we make it about us. If we will glorify God and we make it all about Him, giving Him all the praise and all the glory, He will work through us in ways we never imagined. Tozer said, The glory can belong only to God. If we take the glory, God is being frustrated in the church. You know the best way to live your life right now is to live your life to glorify God, not to gratify yourself, not to glorify yourself, not to seek the praise of people, but it's to glorify God. That's how we're meant to live. That's the purpose of every Christian is to glorify Him. Fourth thing is, our Lord is described as being the expressed image of the person of God. The word image there means exact likeness, like a die that would stamp a coin or a seal that would press into wax to leave the image of that seal in that wax. You've heard this before. Well, he's the spitting image of his daddy. He may look like his daddy. He may act like his daddy a whole lot, but, but the fact is, he's not really his daddy, is he? Half his DNA comes from his mama, thank the Lord. But what this word means is an exact representation. Jesus Christ exactly represents God. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you study Him, you see the attributes of God. You see the actions of God. And that's why no one can know the true God if they deny the Son. First John chapter 2, verse 23 says that. But not only is he the exact image, he's also number five, he is the sustainer. Verse three, upholding all things by the word of his power. The original Greek here communicates that he carries all things continually along. Not only does he create the universe, not only does he sustain it, as Colossians chapter one, verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things consist or hold together. He also moves it along to its ordained conclusion. That's what Jesus does. Hey, y'all with me? Listen. If He can create the universe, hold it together, move it along to its conclusion, He can handle what you and I face. He can handle our messes. He can handle our tribulations. He can handle our heartaches. What we ought to do is lay them at the feet of Jesus. Cast our cares upon the one who cares for us. He is the sustainer of the universe. He's my sustainer this morning. He's my sustainer. I praise Him for that. But don't you notice the sixth thing here? He's our Savior. Uh, when He had by Himself purged 
our sins. Cleansed our sins. It was his holy work of a holy life and a substitutionary death and a glorious resurrection that made it possible for me to be forgiven and cleansed. I was an absolute vile sinner on my way to an eternal hell, but God broke through my life. Jesus purged me of sin, pulled me out of the mire of it, cleaned me up, gave me a new robe. <laughs> he gave me a new name. He made me a new creation. He adopted me into the family of God, and sealed me the promise that I'm his forever. He purged me of my sins. Do you know there's a lot of people around us in this region that are in desperate need of Jesus? And while the church sits around many times in many places and twiddles their thumbs and fights among themselves and, and does all kinds of things, the world around them that's hopeless and broken is dying at an alarming rate and slipping off to an eternal damnation where they'll be forever and ever. And while the church is consumed with so much junk... Our job is to be the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. Our job is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the 850 all over this state, all over this country, around the world. That's what we're called to do. And that's what I want to be about. Advancing the gospel. I'm glad I can rest today in the fact that I've been cleansed of my sin. How about you? And then finally, he is sovereign. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is a place of honor, majesty, glory, and power. And the fact that he sat down declares that he has absolutely completed this work to purge our sins. But do you know there are places in the Scripture that teach us that the Lord Jesus Christ is standing when Stephen was about to be martyred and was about to die, he said, I saw heaven open and the Lord Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. In verse 13 of Revelation chapter 1, the scripture tells us there that the Lord was walking amongst the lampstands. He's walking among the church, ministering to his people strengthening us, helping us. He is our advocate. When we fall and mess up, He is our advocate. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says. He is our help. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says. And I'll tell you this, my dear church family that I love so deeply, there is nothing or no one like Jesus. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, 
Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name sing it with me Jesus Jesus Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. King Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, and there's something Oh, about that name. Hallelujah to Jesus. I have walked with him some 30 plus years. And I have found him to always be faithful. And I am grateful for him. And I want to serve him. And I want us to serve him. And I want us to proclaim him because that's exactly what he wants. And maybe today you would say in your life, I've just simply not been serving him. I have been distracted by so many things. It's led me down so many different paths. But today I want to ask him to forgive me. And I want to get back on track. Serving and living to please my Lord and maybe you've got a massive burden on your life today that you've been trying to carry around why don't you take that thing and lay it at the feet of the sustainer of the universe and let him handle it or maybe you're just trying to find your purpose well, I'm going to tell you where your purpose is your purpose is in following Jesus so follow him. And for those in this room today who have never called upon Jesus to be Lord and Savior, and you know it. You know it because your life has never changed. You're still living this. Oh, you've gone through all the motions, maybe some of you. But you've never changed. You're still the same you were many years ago. It's because he didn't save you because you really didn't repent. But if today you will admit that you're a, a sinner and that it's alienated you from Him, and you believe that Jesus did die for your sin and rose again, 
If you call on him today, he will save you. He will change your life forever and you will be different. You'll be a different person. So I'm going to pray. And however God's speaking, to hit this altar and pray and get things right with God or confess Him as your Lord and Savior, be a member of the church, whatever, let's obey Him. Father, I'm thankful for Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Help me, Lord, to live each day the way you want me to, to please you, to give you glory, to fulfill the purpose you have for me. Lord, right now I pray you'll do something only you can do. May the Spirit of God drive this time. And may we just get right with you and lay things at your feet and may folks be saved today. So I'm just praying right now for you to have your way. All glory is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.